You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. It's been a good week, and I hope that you guys have had experiences with the Lord this week. You know, where you, you come here and, and that you feel like you've already had history with Jesus before you even walk in. Um, I thank you that you are faithful to the Lord and that you, you bring that history right in the doors here. It matters. It matters when we all come together that we have that place of unity together, that we have that place of history with Jesus. And it's, it's our own personal walks that we bring into one place, one room, and just let it pour out together. I love it. This is one of my very favorite places to be. So thank you, Father, for this beautiful day, for the time that we get to spend together, the freedom we have to come and gather in your name. Lord God, we come and we just want to minister to your heart today. We want to minister to your heart. You delight in us. You delight in being with us. And Lord, when we're with you and we minister to you and we worship you, we know that it actually is for our own benefit, for our own sake. It, it takes us higher. It lifts us up where, where you've said, come up here. Come up here with me. Come sit in the throne room. Come sit beside me and my son. All this history in this room here today, Lord, that means that there's a lot of viewpoints about what we've seen about your face, what glory we've seen with you. And we need each other. We need to know what your face looks like from our neighbor's perspective. We need it. God, open our eyes today that we would see you anew. We would see you fresh. We would find you so close. I felt like the Lord showed me that we're the sheep of his hand here this morning. And I don't, I'm not a farmer. I don't know much about sheep, but I do know that if you have a, an orphan lamb, a, a bum lamb, the shepherd takes it into his home and he bottle feeds it. And it is the sheep of his hand and he comforts it. And that sheep knows that shepherd's voice. And a lot of times that's the sheep that will have the bell around their neck that when they're out in the fields and he hears the voice of, his, of the shepherd, he goes running and all the other sheep follow the bell. Because <laughs> they're not quite as attuned to his voice. But we all are the sheep of his hand. And we're no longer orphaned. We've been brought into his home, into his embrace. And this morning I felt like the Lord showed me that and he, and he looked down and he said, do you think I would let you remain harmed in my hands? He won't. He is the healer. He is the comforter. And he's so good. He's so good and so worthy of being ministered to and being worshiped. 
So God, we just, we return all that love that you've given us, that you've poured out over us through all generations. And we just, we just pour it back out. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. continuing a series of messages around the opening chapters of the book of Revelation. Like I said last week, we're kind of specifically focusing on chapters uh, two and three. And this is where John is given seven messages to seven churches from the risen, resurrected uh, Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the interesting aspects or facets of Revelation chapter one is the disciple John is allowed to see the Lord Jesus Christ in his resurrected, glorified state. Now you remember, uh, maybe in, 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 you may remember in Matthew 17, we have an account of Jesus kind of being transfigured there on the mount. And we know that, that uh, John was one of the three disciples who were there to witness that transfiguration of Jesus. And in the transfiguration of Jesus there on the mount, John is kind of given this very momentary, partial glimpse into the glory of Jesus. 
And Matthew 17 tells us that when Jesus was transfigured, it's where his glory kind of begins to break out of his human flesh. His, his, the, the human flesh of Jesus was veiling his glory. In the transfiguration, God is allowing uh, the, the, the veil of his flesh to kind of be pulled back, uh, to be transfigured, that they're able to kind of get a very momentary, partial glimpse of the glory that, that, that Jesus contained, that, that his human flesh kind of contained. It, it veiled that. And John was one of the three that was there to witness that. And we know that uh, in that transfiguration, John sees that Jesus's face, you know, kind of shined like the sun in all of its brilliance. He noticed that, you know, his clothing uh, became kind of white as light. In, in other words, it kind of, it, it flashed like lightning. I mean, that's the kind of brilliance um, that, that John sees there. It's like looking at a lightning strike. He just, that's the appearance that his clothing had. In Revelation 1, John is now allowed to see the fullness, the complete glorified, resurrected state of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't just see it momentarily. He doesn't just see it partially. He sees it in all of its fullness. And this time, not only does Jesus's face shine like the brilliance of the sun, but John also sees that Jesus is wearing a robe that reaches to its feet. And again, I'm sure that, that just as in the transfiguration, that robe shone in brilliance. Again, it was like looking at lightning coming off of Jesus. It says that he had a golden sash across his chest, that his head, his hair were white uh, like wool, like snow. John also sees that Jesus' eyes are flames of fire. And his feet were like polished bronze, he said, ref refined in a furnace. And that when Jesus spoke, John kind of described his words as kind of like thundering, like, like the sound of many rushing waters. He said in his right hand, he held seven stars, that there was this sharp two-edged sword coming from the mouth of Jesus. So here in Revelation chapter one, John sees so much more of the glorified, resurrected state of Jesus Christ than what he saw there in Matthew 17 at the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, I remember coming into, into Christianity, one of the things that I was warned against was, was imaging, using your imagination, that that was sinful, that that was idolatrous, that you didn't ever use your imagination at all to ever encounter God. That, that to have an, an image or uh, to allow uh, any kind of, of, of your imagination to be um, used in the supernatural, it was demonic, it was sinful, and so I did everything to ever stay away from, from doing that. You know, luckily when, you know, I, I was a child, I thought, I reasoned, I acted like a child, but, you know, I put away childish things, and that's one of the things I put away. 
I believe God gave us our imaginations. They're his creation. And God wants to use that, uh, again, to, uh, to uh, engage us. He wants to use that to fascinate our hearts with his beauty. He, he wants us to experience him through our imaginations. And so one of the things that I do as, I, as I'm praying through this is, is I use my imagination to the best of my ability, and, and I ask God to, to inspire that. Inspire my, my thoughts. Inspire my uh, imagination. And so I just kind of, I'll, I'll kind of close my eyes sometimes, and I'll just kind of begin to read through that list. And I'll, I'll just try to begin to see, okay, you know, I, I see Jesus in a, in a long white robe. I, I see the sash across his chest. I see the fire in his eyes. Uh, I see his hair and his head, you know, white like wool. I see his face shining in all of its brilliance. And, and, and I, I just, I, I want to come into that. I, I want to see what John saw. I want to experience what John experienced as best I can. And it's in that that, that that God really begins to fascinate us with the beauty of Jesus. It's one of the ways that he engages our hearts. And, and it's okay, especially when we're asking the Holy Spirit to lead, to guide that, to inspire our imaginations. I do that in chapter four. You know, Callie talked again about that, where John talked about there's an open door in heaven, and the Spirit of the Lord said, come up here, and John came up here, and he says, behold, there was a throne. Oh, okay. I'll close my eyes, and I'll just say, Holy Spirit, help me to see what John saw, a throne. And then as soon as I get that, I'll go on to the next thing, and someone was sitting on it. And it says that that someone shone like the brilliance of a sardius stone. And I'll just begin, okay, Holy Spirit, help me to see what John saw. And I'll just allow God to begin to use that to, to, to fascinate my heart with him, to engage me in the, the beauty of the, that's, that's the beauty realm of the Lord. And, and, and so God wants to engage uh, our hearts in that. So, in Revelation 1, John kind of sees um, the fullness of the resurrected um, and glorified state. Now, I tell you this, that, that why I'm emphasizing this for you is because I believe in order for John to receive the seven messages to the seven churches that we're looking at here in Revelations chapter 2 and 3, for John to be taken into that heavenly realm, for that door to be opened, for him to be able to go, to behold, to see all that John beheld and saw, and all that he writes about there in chapters four through 22 of Revelation, I believe John had to first encounter Jesus in all his glory, as he does there in Revelation chapter one. Revelation chapter one happens for a reason because it's preparing John for what was gonna happen in Revelations two through 22. Jesus reveals himself to John there in Revelation one in order to mature him. Hear me, this is why Jesus does this. There were some childish things in John that needed to be matured, that needed to be put away. And so Jesus comes and reveals himself to John in chapter one the way that he does because he wants to grow. He wants to mature John. He wants to refine him. 
He wants to deepen John's understanding and his experience of the Son of God to bring him into greater intimacy and prepare him for greater revelation and insight that was to come. And it was only after John experiences the glory of Jesus there in Revelation 1, that encounter with the risen, glorified Lord Jesus Christ, John was transformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. Every detail that John saw there in chapter one, every detail matured him. It took him deeper into who Christ was. And through that, he was able to receive more revelation. Now, although John knew Jesus for 60 years, he walked with him personally for three and a half years, boldly declaring himself to be the disciple that Jesus loved. He was very clear on that. He wasn't prepared in character. He was not ready in insight or understanding to comprehend, let alone reveal the nature and character of the risen Christ or the glory realm where the Father dwells. What John experiences there in Revelation chapter one prepares him, it enables him for the rest of what he would experience throughout Revelation. Now, I want you to understand the same is true in my and your spiritual development. Hear this clearly. I think this is part of what God is doing in the midst of all of this. He is inviting us into a deeper experience with him. The invitation is there. Do not get distracted. Do not get sidetracked by all of the dog and pony shows going on around us. God is using this to prepare, to open, to invite us into a place of deeper intimacy, to be able to experience and encounter him in ways we never have before. The deeper you grow in intimacy with the Godhead, the deeper you grow in your relationship and experience with the Godhead, the more God reveals to you. Remember Jesus said, where, where uh, little has been given, where, where little has been received, what happens? More's given, isn't it? If it's given and it's not used, if it's not received, if it's not taken, what happens? The little you have is taken away. So when you receive the little, when you walk in the little, God multiplies it. He gives you more. And then that's what happens with John here. So the deeper you go in your intimacy with him, the more you're gonna understand the deeper things of God. Now again, Paul talked about this. Paul talked about, there were things Paul wanted to tell the church, but he says you lack the maturity to receive it. We in the church, we lack maturity oftentimes to receive the deeper things of God. It's not that God's holding back. It's not that God's unwilling. 
We're holding back. We're unwilling to go deeper into God so that in the going deeper into God, he can reveal deeper things to us. If we're just gonna stay where we're at or go backwards, God is not gonna give anything more in that. He'll wait patiently, kindly, in love. He'll wait. The invitation is there. God is ready. He's willing. He's able to go deeper, to draw you in deeper. But oftentimes, again, we lack the unwillingness. We lack the desire. We lack the maturity to go deeper. Jesus knows your every weakness. He knows the things that are holding you back. And he has a plan to deal with that. He has a way to help you overcome those weaknesses, those things that are holding you back, those things that are keeping you down. But oftentimes, again, we're childish. We don't want to put away childish things. We don't want to shut the computer off. We don't want to turn the video games off. We don't want to turn the television off. But yet, in the midst of all of that, we just expect God just to, to move and to reveal and to give us you know, deeper experiences and greater intimacy. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought, I spoke, I acted like a child. When God finally put away those childish things of Paul, is that what it says? Who put away the childish things? Paul did. So what does that mean? Yeah, we have a choice. It's our responsibility whether we choose to put away the childish things or not. And when we choose to put away the childish things, guess what? We start to grow. We start to deepen in our experiences, our understanding, our revelation, our insight, our encounters, our engaging, uh, again, in the beauty realm of God. We begin to see, we begin to hear, we begin to learn things that we never knew before. Because we have decided, I'm tired of being childish, I wanna be childlike. And Jesus made it very, very clear. He never, ever turned away those who had childlike faith. God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for faithfulness. Did you hear me? God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for faithfulness. I usually try to read through a chapter of the Song of Solomon every day so that uh, by the time I get to Saturday, I read chapter, or Sunday, I read chapters seven and eight. And every time I'm in chapter one, I'm always reminded I am dark yet lovely. That, that's that's the, the, the sin, that's the darkness, that's the weaknesses in my life that God sees. Jesus knows my every sin, my every struggle. He knows my uh, every weakness. He knows my every trial. I take it to him in prayer. And you, you know what? When God knows your weakness, he's not put off by that. He's not frustrated by that. He's not angry about that. He knows it, but he also knows he has a plan, a purpose, a way to get you out of that place of weakness, that place of difficulty, that struggle, that trial, that tribulation. He has a way of helping you to overcome that. 
So I, I love this whole idea of just being able to come to him just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Another great hymn that we oftentimes sing, but we don't think about. Where was I, Callie? Okay, so this is what Paul calls the beholding, becoming principle. Here's what the beholding, becoming principle is. What I behold, I become. What you are beholding, you are becoming. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, he's talking about us with unveiled face, beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Now, that's what, that's what John was beholding. There in Revelation 1, John is beholding the glory, the beauty of the resurrected, risen Jesus Christ. He is beholding that. Beholding means you just stop and you give it your full attention. You are not distracted by anything. You are not looking to the left or the right, up or down. You are beholding. You are fixed. You are focused on what you're looking at. And that's what John did there in Revelation 1. And Paul said, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being what? Transformed. Into what? What you're beholding. You're being transformed. You're being changed into what you're beholding. From glory to glory. Now, what, what does that mean? Well, well, that means when I experience the glory of God at this level, as I behold him, I am transformed by beholding him. And guess what? Eventually, I'm gonna go to a de greater degree of glory. And, and when I stay faithful in that, guess what? I'm gonna go to a deeper place of glory and a deeper place of glory. It's a process. It's, we don't get it all at once. If we did, we'd die. Our bodies would explode. We can't contain it all at once. It is a gradual work of the Holy Spirit in me and in you. And so Paul says, whatever you're beholding, you're becoming. See, if you're beholding the fear in, in the culture today, guess what you're gonna become? Fearful. If you're beholding the, the unkindness of the world, if you're focusing on the unkindness of other people, guess what you're gonna become? Unkind. When you behold the glory of the Lord, when you behold agape, that agape is patient, it is kind, it is not rude, it is not boastful, what are you gonna become? More loving more patient, more kind, because what I behold, I become. And we see that in John. As John turns there in Revelation 1.12, and I want you to understand, he turned. He made a decision, I am going to engage. I'm gonna experience. I'm not just gonna hear this voice. I wanna see what and who is speaking to me. I do that every week now. Can, I think we need to build like a little um, something. Yeah, or, or maybe I just move it up here. I don't know. Maybe like this. I'm open to suggestions. Okay. So again, that, that same spiritual principle holds true for us. That, that's what I'm trying to say to you. What you behold, you'll become. 
And, and that's, that's what's happening here uh, with, with John. As John, again, begins to just behold and, and to see and to experience, to engage and to encounter every aspect of the beauty of Jesus, it is changing him. It is transforming him. It is taking him from one degree of glory to another, and it enables him then to go on to receive the seven letters to the seven churches. It's what enables him to be able to go into that open door of heaven and to see that throne, to see the one that sat on it, to see that his appearance was like a sardius stone, to see the rainbow that surrounded that, the 24 thrones that surrounded the elders, the four living creatures. I'm getting goosebumps here. encounters, experiences with God, and oh my goodness, I'm out of time here. Let me, I'm gonna close with this, and we'll, this is just gonna be one of these things. It, it'll, it's gonna take us a while to get through all this. There's just so much in Revelation that's just, it's just profound. So experiences, encounters with God, okay? It prepares you, it enables you, it brings you into deeper experiences and encounters with God. This process will continue, not just in this life, folks. It will continue in the life to come throughout eternity. We will constantly be changed and transformed both in this life and in the life to come as we engage and experience um, God. So let me, just, let me just leave it here this morning. What are you beholding? I was listening to somebody, and I don't remember who it was, um, but talked about that they had done this thing where they set a timer on their phone for every hour. So every hour, their phone would go off, and what they were supposed to do in that was to stop and to think, where, where's my heart? Where, what is my mind focused on? So he did this for about a week, Every hour, his phone would go off and he would say, okay, what am I thinking about? Where's my heart? Where's my mind? What am I fixed? What am I focused on? He said about 75% of the time, it was on very unspiritual, carnal things. And he just took that as a challenge and began to ask God, God, would you just begin to change my heart? Would you begin to change my focus? Would you begin to change my, my thoughts? Would you begin to change the inner voice in me that I would just begin every time that timer goes off, that I would be focused, that I would be thinking um, on you. I would be thinking on your word. I, I would be meditating uh, in your presence. Uh, just some way I would be worshiping. And he said it just changed everything because again, what you behold, you become. And so again, my challenge to you, and I, I'm, not, I'm not here out of any uh, condemnation, out of, out of any guilt or shame this morning. I'm telling you, if I did that, I would probably be at 75% or worse. It's an area I know I feel I need to grow in as well, that, that, you know, that my heart stays engaged, my mind stays focused, my heart uh, is tender before God, that my attitude is, is, is more worshipful um, toward him. And so that's the challenge. And that's where I believe that, that God is calling not just the seven churches in Revelation. I believe it's where he's calling his church to today. And, and so I just, I just ask you, you know, bring that before the Lord this morning. God, what am I beholding? And are, are those things that I'm beholding, are those the things that are keeping me childish? 
Are those the things that are standing in the way of me going from being childish to childlike? Because I want to be childlike. So I just pray that uh, for you this morning. So let's just stand. I invite the worship team to come forward. I apologize. I did not get as far um, this morning as I wanted to, but I do believe I said the things that the Spirit of the Lord wanted you to hear this morning. And that is the important part. That's our focus. Our goal this morning is not that I get through everything, but that we get through what it is, that the heart of God, what he wants to speak to you this morning. Father, I just thank you, Lord. We thank you again for Paul's promise there, Lord, that, that as we behold you, we become more like you. We become changed and transformed more and more into your image. And oh, Father, this morning, we want to go uh, in those places in our heart, our attitude, in our speech, our spirit, Father, those places, again, where we are being childish, God, would you begin to bring those areas under conviction, not condemnation, conviction, God, that it would bring us to a place of wanting to change, to walk in accordance of your word, to walk in obedience to your spirit this morning, that, God, we can go deeper that we can experience you in deeper ways this morning, that we can see your agape unveiling, being revealed in our hearts, which will affect our attitude, our words. So Father, this morning, we just wanna engage you. We wanna experience you to the degree that we're able to this morning to see you to the degree that we're able to see you this morning, that we can take another step deeper into your presence, into your glory, that we can come closer to you this morning and experiencing you and experiencing your glory realm, your beauty realm this morning. And know, God, that when we behold you, we will become more and more like you. We will go from childish to childlike. And Father, we know that that delights your heart. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that in the places of our childishness, you do not despise us. You do not condemn us. You do not cast us away. You are not disappointed. You are not frustrated. Oh God, you see our potential. You see our destiny. You see who we are in Christ. And God, your heart's desire for every one of us here this morning is you are committed to removing every roadblock, every barrier, every encumbrance, God, anything that would entangle us and keep us in a place of childishness. God, that you are here, your Holy Spirit is here to empower, to enable us to overcome, to be victorious in those places of childishness that we can go to childlikeness and delight your heart, and to prepare us, God, for more of you. And Father, we ask for this for our church corporately. We ask for this for our church individually. And we thank you, God, that you are faithful, that you are good, that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. And so God, come, reveal, Overpower us by your kindness this morning. And that God, as we engage your kindness, that you'll bring us, you'll lead us to a place of repentance, of change, of transformation. 
you long for this. Let our hearts long for it as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, Jeff spoke about the agape love, so I thought we would just go back and we would sing Abide Again. And When it says to be loved is to be loved by you, that is truth. We have no idea how to love without being loved by him first. So. To be loved is to be loved by you. To be loved is to be loved by you. To be loved is to be loved by you. To be loved is to be loved by you. Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praycc.org.